Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Thank you, Ryan. I'm here with Ryan Day from HS Technologies, and they are a reference-based pricing vendor. I don't want to call you a vendor. No, that's um, fine. <laughs> but you uh, handle reference-based pricing, and you use a product that call, is called value-based payments. Correct. So why don't we start this off by you just telling us a little bit about how that works, what is reference-based pricing all about, and tell us about your value-based payments. Sure. So I think, like, um you look at today, traditionally how we buy health care, we get a uh, discount off of bill charges, and it, it's great, but nobody knows what it's off of, realistically. So we'll call, we'll call the old approach top-down, right? PPO right. arrangements, kind of typically how it works. What we're talking about is starting from the bottom up. Okay. What are other people paying for the services? Uh, so what is Medicare paying for that service? What is the cost of facility to provide the service? And now we've got a benchmark to work our way up. So when we talk about value-based payments or Medicare Plus, that's when you can do uh, like an MRI, for instance. An MRI costs $200, and we mark it up by 40%, and now we've got our reimbursement versus the top-down approach is a $5,000 you know, bill charge, working your way down, and now let's say you got a 50% discount, it's $2,500 for that MRI. Well, there's no rhyme or reason for that, but we all know we can go get an MRI and pay cash for $350. Right. So amazing when you start bringing some transparency to it, what ends up happening to the cost of doing the service. So let's break this down in simplistic terms. Assume that I am someone that's never, ever heard of reference-based pricing before. Um, what's the first thing you would tell them about how it works, what it is, in, in simple terms? I mean, just Medicare Plus, explain that. Yeah, so if I had to provide it in you know a, a simple term and say, when you go buy a car, for instance, guess what? you know the price before you go in there. Mm -hmm. Same concept with reference-based pricing. We're, we're finding what the value is for that service, for that medical service, that MRI. That's great. Everybody charges these different ranges, but what does it cost them? What is it? What is the price for that service? Now you know ahead of time. Now you know after the fact. So you're sending it to some relevance, not just some arbitrary number that we came up with and threw out a dart board. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you look at it, we look just in Orange County, for instance, um, you could see a knee replacement can range from 57000 to 130000 Well, what's the reimbursement? Can you tell me what other people paid for it? Well, no, I can't tell you that. It's secret. It's proprietary. <laughs> oh, and that's how, those, that's how carriers work today yeah. as a black box is kind of how I would, I would put it out to everybody. So when most people uh, do reference-based pricing, they usually pick a uh, percentage above Medicare. Correct. And that's the... Um, that's the amount you pay at. So, so the employer can make that decision. Right? Correct, they can. And what is most common for facilities, let's say? So for facilities, I would say common is 140% or 40% above Medicare. Uh, you see some groups do 150, you know, I've seen that. You can go lower, you can set as low as you want or where you want, but just expect you're gonna have a little more uh, right. anxiety and noise potentially. Right, I, I personally, as you know, we have used 140% of Medicare for our clients that have done reference-based pricing so far. and. and uh, so far, it really hasn't been an issue with facilities as much as I thought. I mean, we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. But on the, on the let's say that they were to go um, with 
not only facilities with reference-based pricing, but they, I understand you can, you can actually have a choice of that. You can have facilities only. Sure. You can have uh, facilities plus uh, doctors and professional services. Mm -hmm. So everything reference-based price. You can, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So or, there's, there's different flavors you can buy mm -hmm. into. Um, you know, once a lot of folks will start with the facility only, they want to, you know, it's a big step and say, like, okay, I've got it. Now I've got the hang of it. Years two and three, that's usually when they make that full move because remember, we've trained you on how facilities work, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, PPOs and discounts. And well, if we take that same approach on the physicians, they're not, you know, as egregious, uh, so to speak. You know, the dollars just aren't as big, you know, but you still want to keep an eye over there because you still see dollars that sit over there. Uh, but like your average dollar range is going to be between 250 and $750 yeah. in both charges. So just a little bit different. So you're not talking about tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars for, for services. That's a little bit different. You'll just see more utilization. That's always what it is. Yeah. So in the event that they've been in the past with the PPO and they want to look at reference-based pricing, um, tell us about the fact that you can also do that. With, you can do something with the non-PPO and, and explain how... It works with the fact that there's no network. Kind of explain that again for the for the person who's never experienced reference-based pricing. Before. Sure. So like, so how it would typically work is you would keep a PPO for the physicians and ancillary only. Mm -hmm. Your normal everyday procedures, PCP, specialists, things like that. Now, what's a, what ends up happening is there's some disruption. It's not going to be equivalent to you know a Buka carrier, Blues United, Signet. Mm -hmm. It would be close, but there will be some where it's not close. Like you know, there is some disruption. So what do you do in those instances? Um, and so that's when we have a, you know, the ability to be able to apply Medicare Plus to all the physicians that fall outside of those, uh, of that PPO. So for those that are looking at this for the first time, you can think of it as facilities only, facilities plus doctors and professional services, or, and or I suppose I should say, also you can do it for non-networked. Correct. Right? Let's say if you wanted to have the facilities, all facilities reference-based price, if you want to keep your PPO network because people just will not give up their network, mm -hmm. um, then they can just say, okay, but anytime anyone falls outside of that, all those forced providers, all those um, providers that we worry about balance billing and all those types of things, like the anesthesiologists and the, and the um, you know, all those other emergency room situations, things like that. I mean, it's a perfect example. I have uh, I had a uh, appendix, you know, mm -hmm. recently where I was in the hospital and I had that whole, I got balance bills. Yes. Who's there to help me? Not one person's there to help me. So what do you do? Yeah, I'm doing it on my own. Right. right? Probably right. what the average person has right. to do, whereas, you know, with reference pricing, you have a patient advocacy center or a patient advocate that's there that will handle that. That's the whole point where not any consumer is used to dealing with these bills. It's not what they do day in and day out. Right. They have jobs, right? Right. So it's our job. Really? They yeah, have jobs? exactly. So it's, it's our ability to be able to take a look at that and take that burden off. So why... Uh, I know you've talked about this already, but I want to bring this, make sure that we bring this point home. Um, why is it that this has been successful? It's only been around for not too many years here, um, less than a decade, really, mm -hmm. nationwide. Sure. Um, why has this been successful? What's the most important thing, the most important reasons as to why it's been successful? Because we're addressing the heart of the problem. If you look at, you know, PPO contracts and networks, and it all sounds great until you want to understand the price. Hey, can I get my claims data? Mm -hmm. Good luck. Especially when you're starting your small employers or your middle of the table self-funded groups. Like, good luck getting your claims data. I mean really getting your claims data. Everybody says they can get it, and then when we see it, it's like, well, that's not really the whole story. It's half the picture. 
it confuses me because it's it's your claims. So what am I missing if, right. if it's an employer? You're the one funding it all. Right. No one asks those kind of questions. Like right. you'll sign the agreements that says no audit rights, no right to recourse. Mm-hmm. Like too bad, so sad, just take it. <laughs> and it, it's just it just boggles my mind that you know people like they just sign that versus like wanting to understand and it's for most employers, like it, ask all CEOs, CFOs, probably the third line item on their budget is probably the most expensive. Right. But yet no one really asks questions. It's like, oh hey, you got a you got a cost increase. But I got it down from ten percent, I got it to five percent. And it's just kind of in that that realm. Or we we eat up your deductibles or change yeah. plan designs or contributions and say it seems like it's a cost shift. Tell tell us about the um the ability to have full transparency in this. Explain how that works. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the ability to have full transparency is you know what you're paying for. So for our employers or any of the consultants and uh, brokers that we're working with, uh, they have the ability to see their claims real time. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm an open book. Like, here are the claims, here's where they are. Like, if you need to slice and dice them beyond what we're doing, feel free. It's your data. Once again, your data. Your data. Yes. If you want to go black box, like, I'm not the right person for that. Right. Well, I want to talk specifically because obviously we've used HST. We mm-hmm. know what it is that, that, that you guys provide, but a lot of people aren't as familiar. So sure. I want to make sure they're familiar with it. So tell us about the tools that they have available to them that they can get that trans- transparency. They can see the stuff. They can select their providers. They can go to the best doctors, the best hospitals that are going to you know work with them. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your tools? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few different tools that we offer. Um, it's helpful for both. There's different segments, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll say the member, the employer, the consultant. We'll do, we'll do all three. Okay. So from the member side, uh, we do have a consumer app to be able to tell them, one, not only what the price is of the facility and what the plan's going to pay, not just an estimate. I mean, it's an estimate, but we're using Medicare data. It's so that's, that's published rate. That's exactly. Published rate. Exactly. So we're not taking ranges. Uh, the other piece of it is, is we want to say, what's our experience with those facilities? Are they accepting? Mm-hmm. Are they accepting sometimes? Do they not accept RBP or do we have limited experience with that? So a member can go in eyes wide open ahead of time. But the other component that fascinates me more is how good are they at what they do? Like, mm-hmm. Is it a one-star facility, a five-star facility? So we pulled in the quality metrics from CMS, Center, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, mm-hmm. to be able to pull that information in uh, because it's credible. You know, they pay 60% of all claims in the country. Got a pretty good idea of how quality works you know, when it comes to hospitals. And, you know, we've found, uh, especially in California, and I'm not picking on them, but if you look at it, they did a study a few years ago, and it said the higher the price, the worse the quality. And most members would think the higher the price, the better the quality. <laughs> Perfect example right here in Orange County. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, we don't need to go any further on that. Um, well, let's talk about this a little bit. You also have a mobile app. We do, we do, and that's... And that was the piece I kind of described was that piece of it for the mobile app, for the membership where we can communicate, they can see the quality, the price, what their out-of-pocket would be, depending on where they go. Uh, but then for the employer, we take it a step further too, where they get access to our portal real time. Mm-hmm. So they can run daily dashboards, weekly, and we can communicate that way. And then they've got dedicated teams. But the real neat part about it is, as claims are coming through, they can see in real time right. what's happening, where it's taking place, uh, what type of procedure? So it's a little more detailed than they're used to seeing. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 what I really enjoyed about it was, for example, when we were doing open enrollment meetings and we were doing, um, we, we basically went on 
um, lines immediately and we're on phones immediately. We have people asking, "What are your what What are some of the questions?" Well, I need a doctor. I need to. Um, I have to have lab work done, or I have to have a doctor that does this or that. They were able to just look on the app and they could actually point them to the right places. And I think that's something that I mean, obviously, with technology these days, um, particularly millennials, but everyone, I guess, um, they want to be able to have it quick, easy, fast, and in their and in their hands, in the palm of their hands, on their phones. Hands down. So it, it's, it works really, really well. Yeah, real-time um, access is definitely key. And I mean, we've moved that even a step further to your point. Everybody likes to have something in their hands. They're addicted to their phones, like, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. And I'll, I'll be the first to say, yes, I am addicted to my phone. But, <laughs> you know, the average person will uh, check a text message within three minutes. Yeah. And so we've moved our, our book of business moving uh, the text messaging yeah. you know, as we speak because of that. Right. Well, let's go back to some of this stuff. Why should people do this? Let's talk a little bit about the savings and what are the average savings that you're seeing, um, for example, comparing it to a national um, PBO network, even some of the bigger and better ones. Um, what are, they, what are, what are uh, employers seeing as savings in comparison? To yeah, if we had to compare it to what we would you know, label them as Abuka, Blues United, Sydney, Aetna, uh, I would say we probably, in comparison, 20 to 30 points above where they're coming in at. And that's for claims? That's for uh, you know, claims itself. Mm -hmm. And then on the stop loss side, you're obviously going to feel it because you're paying less in claims. Uh, you'll see between 15 and 25% yeah. of your spec premium. And I can attest to that because that's about what we're seeing in, in the quotes in the, in the cases that we're putting in uh, with reference-based pricing. Uh, depending on the stop loss carriers, of course, some are... And you have to have the right ones. Right. <laughs> some, you, you some are very good at this. Some have done it for a long time and are very experienced and understand how well it works and they'll give you the great discounts. Others yeah, they won't, they won't give you the right discounts, but you still need the right partners. So let's say someone does come in and give you the right discounts. You've got two carriers stacked up. You want to make sure there's a letter, letter of understanding in place that everybody knows how this operates. What happens if a claim goes beyond you know the claim year? What happens if something's being balanced bill? What if it goes up above 200%? You know, all those moving parts that go with it, you need to have trusted stop losses. Critical. Yeah, it's absolutely critical. So, okay, so we talked a little bit about that. We talked about PPO contracts and so forth. Let's say there's a problem area, um, a geographical region that maybe it's in the middle of nowhere or maybe whatever the situation may be. Um, and there's only maybe one or two hospitals in the area. And employers are saying, well, I'm hesitant because I know my PPO network um, contracted with that hospital. Um, well, how do we know if they're going to accept this? Uh, is there a way to get direct? Because now they're hearing all this buzz about direct contracting. Is that yeah, even a possibility? And when is it? Yeah, and when is it applicable? And when would it work? Yeah, absolutely. So we, I mean, I have a whole department that's. I mean, that's all we do is direct to employer. Uh, we do it before some employers go live. We do it when they are live, depending. Uh, you know, always from a facility perspective, um, they want to understand. You know, what type of volume am I seeing? You know, how many claims, what are the total bill charges, how many members are coming through? That's always something they want to talk about. Believe it or not, they want direct relationships with the employers. They don't always want to talk just price. And I understand. I, I tell them, like, hey, we have to address the elephant in the room. It's price. But I need to understand what your quality is. I'm not just going to send people here so they can have the same procedure done four times. We need it done right the first time based right. on, you know, price and quality. And that's kind of the aspect. So we do have that whole direct to employer uh, one town hospitals, yeah, you can run into those issues uh, where you do need to have those conversations. Um, I would say there's some tools and tricks that we've got where it's, you know, it makes sense to have some conversations up front with them, with the employer, to say, hey, this is the direction we're moving into, so you don't run into those things. Right. So, but not every hospital is going to 
want to play you know, nicely or, yeah, not a, not or be collaborative. But also, so. uh, to be honest, what we had the most issue with, and that's probably because my clients wanted to jump right in and do not just the facilities, which I would have recommended probably in the first year possibly, but um, I gave them the option of facility only, facility plus um, you know, uh, professional services and doctors um, and using the non-PPO mm-hmm. mechanism for non-PPO claims. Um, and my clients just happened to jump all in, which surprised me, but you know, they didn't, they watched this for a few years before they actually jumped in themselves and they felt comfortable with us. But with the issue that we had was not facilities, facilities seem to be pretty easy. And it's not saying they wouldn't accept at the doctor's offices, particularly the mom and pop little shops, the little tiny doctor's offices, not the big medical groups as much, although sometimes met as well, but we would from, you know, on occasion, just, they just don't understand what it is. Hands down, I would I would agree with you. It's I mean, remember you're picking up more volume there. Right. It's lower lower dollars, but larger volume. So you would rec- So what would you recommend? What would you recommend that they do in those circumstances if they want to jump right in? Their, either their first year um, doing you know full service uh, reference based pricing with um, the doctors and everything. What what are some of the things that they can do? Yeah, I think there's a there's a few opportunities to be able to communicate up front before that plan goes live, having a sample ID card and pushing that out to the offices, reaching out to the offices. You know, you want to be strategic. You don't want to go every onesie twosie doctor, mm-hmm. but the ones that have multiple members or multiple claims going through them, yeah, that probably makes sense to have some conversations up front so they do understand what it is explaining it. You got to remember it's you got an office person, an office clerk who is just looking for a logo on an ID card. That's exactly right. what, that's, that's exactly what the, the situation is. That's the, yeah, they're looking for. Well, I don't. I no longer see that that logo, so I can't do this. Um, what we found is that concierge type services um, that that are offered um, work really well, where someone can actually, t- you know, tell. What we did is we told the employees just if you have an issue where your doctor's office doesn't seem like they understand this, don't even. Going further, just have them call this number and talk to this person. Mm-hmm. Do it right there when you're in front of you, or do it in front, you know, in, ahead of time before you actually go. Bring in the experts. Service. Bring in the experts. Let them talk through it. What we found out is, is that once it's explained to them, it's really not an issue. They're oh, oh, I get this. It's just a matter of not understanding. That's right. It's an education. In some doctors' will um, offices will be spooked a little bit, where they require payment up front. And those things you have to be ready to deal with too. Yeah. Uh, that can happen. Um, you know, far between, but it does happen. That's where concierge is key, and I know we've got some tools to kind of address that as well. Yes, you do. What happens if the plan sponsor feels that they're afraid? They don't think that they're going to accept the plan. They don't understand. Um, they may just may not understand the basics of it, and they have that fear of accepting a reference-based price plan. What What do you tell them? Yeah. So instead of me saying like, "Hey, everything's going to be all, all right. You know, it's going to be great. Just trust us. Uh, why don't you show you?" We'll show you what our experience is with those hospitals, those facilities, to say, here's what's really going on. Here's our acceptance trailer. Right. We want it to be eyes wide open for everybody. I don't want to just like pull the wool over your eyes and be like, gotcha. Like, here's what's going on. Like, yes, we're getting pushback right here from this okay. facility. Yeah, let's talk a little Maybe bit. Maybe we need that. to redirect right off the bat, okay. potentially. Is a direct agreement, you know, something that needs to happen? Mm-hmm. It all depends on the circumstances of what's happening in that area, what our block of business is doing. So we're we're transparent in that sense. We want to make sure that everybody does understand what you're walking into. And if, if they have a fear, what I found too is if they have a fear of what if they're not going to accept it, if you simply explain to them, this is what we've done, it seems to work, you can you can agree with me or disagree with me and tell me why you disagree if that's the case. <laughs> we just say, all you have to do really is, do they find out, do they accept Medicare? 
if they accept Medicare patients, then it probably shouldn't be that much of a of a big deal for them because you're paying above the Medicare rate. Yeah, it's less of a learning curve for them. That, that's for sure when you're paying Medicare. I mean, most hospitals will be between 30 to 50 percent of their revenue will come from CMS themselves mm -hmm. or Medicare or Medicaid, you know, however you want to define it. So they have a pretty good idea of how it works. And when you start going to some other alternative methods, like they may not be as comfortable with, you know, from what we've seen. But yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a word a moment ago, pushback. I wanted to come back to that. Um, let's talk about the event of provider pushback. What do you guys, what can be done and what is it that you guys offer to help in that situation? Yeah. Just explain to people what that is and so that they... So let me just, let, let me, I'm going to put it right out there. It's going to happen. <laughs> just so we're all clear, it is going to happen. We're going to get pushback. Guess what? It happens on your plans today. I'm a perfect example. Anesthesiologist, facility, I'm getting balance billed. No one's helping me, right? So I'm on my own to figure it out. Uh, but what we've done is put a patient access center there to help the membership. So we've, we've definitely made some strides in the sense that we want to be able to communicate, uh, you know, on a more frequent basis, uh, moving through text messaging where people can, we can give them updates through messaging, uh, passing the materials that way pick up the phone and talk to them, but then be able to be the liaison of what's going on and what's transpiring. And something that has to be key, it's critical because if you've got a $100,000 bill as a member, it's intimidating. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely intimidating. That's why I would absolutely say communication is critical, not only from our side, but definitely up front before it even happens. Mm -hmm. like, hey, by the way, if you get anything, let us know. Here's how this works. We got you. You know, that type of, you know, Communication is helpful for the membership. And, and, and you say, we've got you. So what is it that you do? Yeah, so we'll end up uh, educating the provider. Uh, one, we're going to educate the member. Mm -hmm. So believe it or not, we will get members who have no idea what type of plan they have. They think they have Blue Cross or United, wherever it may be. No, 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 you don't. This yeah. is how it works. Very so common. Give, yeah, so we give them uh, material up front, real high level, real friendly material, like, how long it's going to take, you know, what the process is, when we're going to follow up, that type of stuff. So they get that in hand. We then let them know we're going to reach out to the provider on their behalf. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to, you know, see if they understand the plan first. If they understand, you know, hey, what do you understand? Let's see if we can't move this along and go away. If we need to be able to negotiate, we can. We have that ability to be able to negotiate. And then if we have to put in a direct agreement going forward, mm -hmm. then those are all capabilities we can you know, put into place for you know, employers or plans. Because remember, I may I may negotiate a direct agreement here locally for another employer, but I can get it for my entire book of business mm -hmm. where it applies to everybody, which right. is, you know, valuable about those. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. So what should they, what should employers think about if they're, if they decide they want to go in this direction or at least even investigate this, um, what are the first steps that they should take? Well, I think, I mean, the first one is a, it's got to be, I mean, no one's going to make a decision unless it's financially feasible. So right. my clients, one co one common thing I have with all my clients is they are not check writers. <laughs> they are ones that want to manage risk. And I think you you know that with your groups. Um, I think they've, they've done this whole cost shifting and gotten the renewals and their increases, and that's great. But we got to address the heart of the problem, which is the price. And so when we, we start to see that move forward, when you're considering this, like, well, what's the trade-off if I'm going to, you know, get some pushback? What is it? So you got to run an analysis to start saying, here's what I do today under my PPO. Here's what I can do under, you know, value-based payments. Mm -hmm. And that's usually the first step to say, okay, here are the dollars at stake. And then from there, then you take a look at, like, what's your experience with, you know, my top 20 hospitals or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Then you can kind of go into that eyes wide open 
to say, you know, okay, how is this going to work for me? And then you got to make sure you pick the right vendor. Right. You know, at the end of the day, do they have experience? How long have they been doing it? How many members they have? Right. Um, how do they charge for their services? You and I both know that's a big one. Yeah. Of how you charge for services on the PEPM, percentage of build charges, percentage of savings. What What is it? You got to understand all those impacts because it impacts a lot of other things across the world. What's the approach? Mm-hmm. Is it collaborative? Is it legalistic? We bring attorneys and hospitals then say, hey, I don't want to play with you whatsoever. You know, so there's all sorts of different things you have to take into account. But that's where our job is to educate not only the employer, but the consultant as well. Right. So let's, some of my clients are, for example, and I know a lot of people listening to this will feel the same way. Um, if, if I'm talking to the CFO, the vice president of finance, um, those guys and women um, are very much, obviously it's all about price, but they also want to see the data in front of them. Um, they want the analytics. They want, you know, they want to see numbers. Tell us a little bit about what they can see from you guys on a uh, on a regular basis before before they start to plan on a regular basis after that. Sure. So we'll do a, what we do is a savings analysis. We'll put together um, depending on the group size, showing them where they're at today, where they could be, and it's about three pages. Then it breaks mm-hmm. it down, showing the impact on the plan, but then also the impact on the membership itself and what that will look like. We then will actually show a trend slide showing you what, you're tr- what you'll trend at compared to what you were previously doing under your current arrangement. And then on a go-forward basis, you actually will get a monthly dashboard report that automatically go out to you, mm-hmm. showing you what's going on, not only from uh, your plan perspective, any open or closed uh, patient access center cases. And then at the year end, we do year end reports and we'll walk you through in a little more detail what we're seeing, you know, what states they're going in and what they're doing, what procedures they're seeing. If there's something we can pick up on mm-hmm. where care management or concierge services can, you know, get ahead of, mm-hmm. then fantastic. Like, now you have that ability to, you know, mine your data even more. Right. And I have to say that the reports, both before going forward with this, the initial reports that they take a look at, the samples, and you're plugging in their data and so forth, um, those were very nice. But I have to say, once the plans got going, uh, what I really like are the dashboard reports because that's a constant reminder to the employer that where the savings are and what you're seeing and it's a very simple, like you said, it's, it's a pretty simplistic sheet in that, you know, those couple of pages, but it basically, if people like pictures, they like graphs, it's there. Right, yeah. If they want just the numbers, it's there. Um, you take very complex data and you break it down into very simple reporting, which I, I personally like. Yeah, and it's been it's been helpful uh, when you are telling that story to let them know where they're at, what they're doing. Um, I'll have a lot of employers say to me, uh, "Is this right? Like mm-hmm. our claims are so low compared to like are, are people not submitting claims?" Yeah, I'm like no, they're submitting this, claims. This is how this works. Yeah, and so yeah, they can see what's being deducted out of the bank. And I can say for for that for a fact, my clients when they when they started doing this and they started looking at those reports, they were pleasantly surprised. Of course, they were expecting to have some savings, but it was uh, it was definitely going in the, in the best possible direction. Right, and then, like the whole point is like you want these employers to use the savings, yeah, for what they do. Yeah, like if they make widgets, all right, use it on the widgets. If you want to increase salaries and things like that, then great. Like I have a uh, forty five hundred like trucking group in their annual statement that they file mm-hmm. uh, since they're publicly traded. They they perfectly said we increase salaries and all this for the employees and give bonuses. It was offset, it was $18 million. It was offset by the switch to from Blue Cross to VVP. 
It was awesome to hear that. It's like what they got to do for their employees mm-hmm. instead of spending it on the health. So uh, I guess I should have maybe uh, spent a little time, more time in this because you mentioned the BBP. Um, I've been referring to this as reference-based pricing. You guys call it value-based payments. So I just Correct. Want, so I just want to make sure that everyone understands that when you get information from HST, you're going to be seeing things called value-based payments. Correct. And we did that for more strategic reasons because... Believe it or not, I'm not the big bad enemy of a, a health system. Um, I'm actually one of their partners, you know, quite a bit in what we're doing with their direct-to-employer stuff. So we have a little bit of a different take because, like I said, you know, previously, you need to pay attention how other people approach doing this uh, because it can have, you know, consequences, whether it's a legalistic adversarial approach or it's being a little more collaborative uh, with the facilities. It seems to work out well for us. And speaking of the legal part of this, um, plan documents obviously are very important. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how important that language is and how you would help the, the, the consultant and the plan and making sure that their plan documents are up to speed to make sure that you know all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed as far as that goes? No, it's a good way to put it. I, I'd say it's extremely critical to have those pieces in place. Um, you want to make sure that everything is airtight as can be uh, with the plan language you know there would be some modifications uh, that are done but like your ID card language your EOB your SPD all need to be singing the same tune mm-hmm. you can't have one saying hey I got a PPL discount here and the other one saying well we use reference based pricing here it's confusing yeah. so we uh, we provide all that language uh, we'll do a review of that to make sure we're all on point and it does make sense for all parties that are involved yeah and I wanted to also mention that in communications because we've been talking about that a lot uh, one of the things that uh, we had done is we had taken your you guys have done a great job of giving us for example sampled letters and so forth to go out to the providers in advance um, some of our clients wanted to customize those a little bit to deal with because they know their population better than you guys do, better than they I do. do. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's there, just like I know my employees here. Right. They know their employees. I get it. That's yeah. what they're there so, for. So one of the things that I like was that you guys gave us a starting point, a letter that this is something that this is what we can draft for you. And they were able to take that and put in those particular things that really gel with their own employees. And I think that that's one of the points that I want to make to everyone listening is that you can customize this to meet your needs of your employees. Yeah, absolutely, because we have all the open enrollment material that most uh, human resource folks are going to want to look at, you know, announcing the plan, letters, posters, PowerPoints, emails, however you communicate. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to text them, great, I just need phone numbers. I can make it happen. So it's like, show me, like, we can move as fast and as customized as we need to be. We'll right. give you the tools and resources to do it. Right, and if they're going to do something like this, you don't want them to rush into this. <laughs> I wouldn't want them to rush no, into this. So you have a, you have a you have an educational period you want up front. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? What, yeah, what do you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, normal implementation I would say is like ninety days. Mm-hmm. Could I do it sooner and like drop it in, in a week? Yeah, of course I could. It's not a problem. I have groups that do it. Do I recommend it? No. I recommend communication. Yeah. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. The members, the consultant, the employer. We're all, di- we're all in this together, mm-hmm. so let's figure out to make sure that we have the best communication. And you can't just be like, open enrollment's coming, pass out some documents. You and I all know, like, members just, like, toss it in the trash, and then when they have to use it, that's when they realize it. So it's always constant, like, drip campaign. Why are we doing this? What are we doing? And to your point, for that trucking group, when they saved $18 million, well, guess what they did? That was passed on to their employees. Right. So it was significant that way. And I think that's when employers have to put that mindset on of 
you know, it's not an unlimited credit card. Us as an employer, we have to pay for that. Mm -hmm. If you want to have that PPO, we can pay for it. It just means less on another end. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there is no bonus as your wage increases, but that's what employees like to see. Yeah. You know, so I think there's some give and take that was never there before. Yeah. So obviously it's important that if someone's looking at this and, and wanting to study this and figure out, you don't want to jump into this with no education, as we talked about. I know that, as you know, <laughs> um, I was learning all about reference-based pricing for a few years before I actually allowed, you know, really wanted my clients to go forward. Not sure. that I didn't allow them to do it. Um, I recommended to them, look, this is still relatively new in California. It's been around across the country since, you know, whatever, 2013, probably before that. But I, I became aware of it after 2013, 2014 year. Um, and... I saw that it was gradually moving west, and it took a while to get here. So I didn't want my clients to be "quote unquote" guinea pigs. The first that the first <laughs> in the West Coast to do this. Sure. Uh, it had been very popular and very successful across other parts of the country before it got here. Um, so I waited a little bit, and so it was a long learning curve for my clients, but they really appreciated that because I was able to, as things were getting better, as things were developing, I was able to say, "Well, this is happening now versus a few years ago." And what it turned out was that the timing was great because by the time they actually did roll with it, they'd already been know, learning about it for a year, year and a half, two years. I don't recommend that for everyone. I'm just saying that that's because it was brand new. Well, you you wouldn't say it's brand new, but to me it was brand new sure. on the West compared to the rest of the country, and I was just in the area. Today, I, what I'm seeing today, correct me if I'm wrong, is that this is much more accepted today than it was even two years ago. I mean, we have a uh, hundred thousand members on the West Coast. I mean, predominantly in California. So yeah, it's significant, you know, from that aspect. But I think you hit upon a really good point about you did the education, you understood it. You know, there's a lot of consultants that won't do that education, won't understand it, and it's just kind of defensive posturing yeah. because someone else came in to educate. And to your point, you were able to educate, and I think yeah. that's super critical um, from your standpoint of wanting to understand those pieces. I mean. Well, it sets I, you from the rest. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I wanted to make sure that I was 100% confident. And by the way, thank you for that. By the way, you helped educate me so much. Um, when I first started learning about this, I learned a lot from the Self-Insurance Institute of America. I was going to their sessions and things like that. Um, but I think what was the most helpful for me was the, the, the times that you and I sat down and uh, you and our claims administrator really started me um, on this path. And you know, I want to thank you because it took me a couple of years after we started for me to actually place business with you mm -hmm. but um you know i did thank you by the way in the past you sat down with me and let me interview you for early on articles a few years back um mm -hmm. articles that i would written on this topic and so forth so thank you for that as well um but um i the point i'm trying to make is that when i was starting to look at this it was so new here um i felt i needed to do that due diligence and i didn't want as a consultant i didn't want to offer it until it was until i felt it was ready to go and remember, you got a lot of folks where it's easy button. Mm -hmm. Push the easy button. Like you can stay fully insured. It's easy for me. Like, right. But there's not, you know, I'm not discrediting that where you have to go and look at different carriers, but there's a lot less you have to do and look at because a carrier is handling it. Right. And remember, it's that black box sitting over there yeah. versus where you were moving to and looking at. There's more work to be done. Oh, yeah. Hands down, more work to be done. Yeah. But you can see the dollars, you know, for a from a plan sponsor perspective, it's a plan fiduciary. Yeah. Do you know a product like this is out here? You can ask that question. Are you doing what's the best interest of the plan too at the same time? Yeah. Are you being fiduciary? 
Absolutely. Um, it's all about dollars. Obviously, we know about that. If you ask any CFO what, or any vice president of finance what's the most important thing to them, they're going to 90% of the time say, I want the best plan I can possibly get for the least amount of money. Of course. <laughs> That's what they want. Yeah, and I think this, yeah, exactly. And I think this helps them get there. So I was kind of going a long way around saying this, but the bottom line is, is my point that I was trying to make, although obviously not as quickly and easily as I wanted to, uh, was that it does take education, it does take this, but once the pieces are in place and once you understand this and you're able to explain this to plan sponsors and feel confident in it, like like me, it took a while for me to, I felt confident in the concept, but I wanted more practice in the area in, in, in Southern California before I went forward with it. Sure. Now that's there. Now that's there. Um, not everyone has to go through the, the time that I went through to get that and make sure my clients were up to speed. I think my clients now are are... are um, are more understanding that I know what I'm talking about with this stuff, and, and they trust me a little bit more on that. And we'll swing employers in all the time, like, hey, come on in, yeah. we'll show you, you know, under the hood of how it all works, what we're doing, and yeah. kind of once they start seeing that, they get familiar, they get yeah. comfortable. And it's... I think people, again, you mentioned the fully insured carriers. I think step one is if you're in a fully insured plan and you're and you're spending a lot of money and you don't know how to control your costs, First of all, stop, start looking at things like self-insurance. And then if you're looking at self-insurance, you need to start looking at things like this because ultimately right. that's where the savings are. Yes, you can save money self-insuring, but you can save even more money if you look at something like reference-based pricing. And then to your point, even going with the self-insuring, I think you know this, is like you need to know, people need to know what they're doing with their own self-funding. Yeah. You know, not everybody really? knows how to do self-funding. And I know you and I both know this. <laughs> so the consultants that have, have experience doing that, it's obviously more helpful versus like, oh, you're going to be my, to your point, I'm going to be the first reference-based pricing person, to your point, or are you going to be the first self-funding group you've ever done? Well, yeah, I yeah, am. Like, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Intimidating. Yeah. Right? Well, it could be. Yeah, I, I obviously grew up in self-funding. Right. I ran a third-party administrator for 12 years and specialized in self-funding before I was a broker consultant. So yeah, self-funding is my expertise and specialty. But um, no, I mean, I can see how, you know, consultants, when they're just trying to dive into this, their client's interested in something like this, and it would freak them out, mm -hmm. scare them a little bit. <laughs> sure. Uh, like I said, I knew all about self-funding. I was probably, you know, one of the most educated people uh, on the West Coast in self-funding, just because, as far as consultants are concerned, just because of my TPA experience, just because right. of my many, many years doing my entire career in self-funding. But it's not something that, it's not something that you jump into quickly, but it's something that you can jump into at a normal pace. Um, in, not in not in two weeks. I wouldn't recommend that. No, I agree. It is something you. that yes, but if you are looking at saving money in the long term, and you definitely want to look at long term savings rather than you know just it's great to save money for one quarter of one year, but you want to be able to do it long run. I think that this is is I think my personal feelings are that this is probably one of the best things they can do in their health plan. And I you mean, probably will agree with me because I am not just going to disagree. <laughs> it's you know you want to bend the cost curve. You got to address price. Then after we address price. Then that's where we need the care management firms to watch for disease right. management, pop health, right. to make sure that we're not, you know, waiting for any ticking time bombs or getting ahead of it, right? You know, before it happens. And yeah. I think, you know, once again, like there is no other plan that's going to trend with Medicare. Mm -hmm. Percentage off field charges isn't going to trend with Medicare. That's right. Reference pricing will, you know, one to two percent a year. Like you do the math over five to six years, self funding typically is what five point one percent is what they trend at. So. You start looking at that and compound right. it. You're going to figure it out at some point. Yeah, exactly. Well, this was very helpful. Thank you very much. And again, thank you for being on my podcast. And most importantly, as I said, thank you for all the support and all the education you've given me over the years as I was trying to 
become an expert on this. No, we appreciate you having us. It's been <laughs> fantastic. And, you know, anytime you have questions, you can always give us. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Very appreciate much. it as well. Thanks for Thanks. having us. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3. Toll free at 866-658-3835 or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.